Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Beyond Bound podcast. I'm very grateful that you're listening to my triumphant return to this production. Uh, last week, as you probably heard, Texas had some pretty serious uh, snow, some pretty serious winter storms, and I'm actually still living uh, with family right now because of all the damage to the plumbing and everything. Like, it, There's a lot of problems right now in Texas, but the good news is I'm back, I have internet, and that's basically all I need to survive as a human being. And this week, I'm joined once again by our CEO, Jonathan Brush, and our Director of Coaching and Content, Victoria Grant. And we're going to talk about mastering confident decision-making. And this is actually something that is a topic that's near and dear to my heart because I had this moment when I graduated from college where this it was it felt like a switch flipped in my brain and I realized that my life was up to me. And it, and it was like pretty much for that point forward, for several months at least, I was just like, my brain was going like full blast. Like, what on earth am I supposed to do with my life? I could make this decision. I have no idea if it's the right decision. And I would just go around and around and around. And so I know Jonathan has a lot of insight to that. Victoria has insight into that. And I will try to match their wisdom on this podcast. But with that, I think I would actually just kind of like to hear from you guys to start. So like, uh, let's start with Victoria. I guess like, was there a moment, was it when you graduated high school? Was it when you graduated college or at some other point where you kind of had that moment that I described or did that even happen for you? Yeah, I would say post-college. Post-high school, I knew I still had college in front of me. And so even though I hadn't a clue what I was doing with the rest of my life, college at least provided a very clear next step. And so I knew what I was doing and I knew what it was to be successful in that. And I knew what I needed to do to finish. Um, and so that was a lot of direction. When I finished college, on the other hand, um, unless I went on to grad school or something like that, there wasn't that immediate next step uh, that you know was just handed to me. So yes, definitely hit that point, started realizing that the decisions I made had far greater implications now that I was older than they had you know, growing up and during my earlier teenage years. So yes, I, I relate to that resonate. Yeah. And Jonathan, I'm actually curious to know, I don't think I've ever asked you this before, but did you ever have that moment? Yeah, I graduated from high school like Victoria and thought, okay, well, obviously you go to college. That's kind of what we did. Although in my case, I was the first uh, male from my family history to actually go to a four-year institution and graduate from it. So it was kind of a, so in, in some ways it was new, but it was also expected. Like I was the one that had the chance and so I better do this. So then I graduated from college and I just was really, really traumatized by the whole kind of what you're supposed to do. I had no idea how to navigate figuring out how to pick a major, even after I picked a major, how to use the major, how to find a job, all of those things. Um, I graduated college and was married uh, a couple of weeks later. A uh, year after that, I had a, my first child. And uh, I definitely spent several years waking up in the middle of the night going, how am I here? <laughs> what, what, what crazy universe put me in charge of taking care of these people? And uh, what, uh, how, how, am I, how am I supposed to navigate this? So yes, I, actually, a lot of the content that we have for our Navigate course and things like that came from the fact that I spent a lot of years going, I don't even realize, understand how I wound up here. And now that I'm here, I'm not really sure how I'm supposed to do what I'm supposed to do here. So yep, a lot of, a lot of staring at the ceiling late at night, wondering what in the world is going to happen next. Yeah. 
Well, and, and actually, just as you mentioned, you, that there's that entire course, which we have been telling you guys about on, on this podcast, the Navigate course. And if you go to bm.us slash navigate, you can sign up for a free video series, kind of get a taste for what's in there and also hear a little bit more from Jonathan about it. But I think that honestly, that's a kind of helpful context for me because most of the time wisdom is hard won. And uh, and <laughs> I think everybody here has at least gone through that uh, that moment and uh, had to do something about it and one way or another. So I'm curious to kind of dive into what the perspective is here. So I think let's just start with this. And uh, maybe like I would just like to hear from you, Jonathan, what's uh, what does it mean to make a decision with confidence? Like, what does that mean? Yeah, as I've gotten older, I found that sort of looking at things through a prism or looking at things through a lens is really helpful. And there's a quote Victoria and I were just looking up recently, and I can't remember the name of the guy that had the quote, Victoria, you might remember. But, you know, they said all models are wrong, but some models are useful. And I've really adopted that in the sense that there are certain models that help you sort of make sense of things. I never claim that like this is the way, you know, I'm not the Mandalorian about this, but um, there's don't say that this is the only way to do it. But there's a useful way of helping make life make sense. One of the models I found really useful that I discovered much later was that you know, life in some ways can be looked at as a series of as a series of tasks. And there's there's certain things that get done and, and they kind of some of them come at you, some of them you plan. But, you know, you can look at life from that prison. That's not the only way to look at life. That's not necessarily even the best way to look at life all the time. But that's one way to understand it. Uh, in order to do tasks, in order to get things done, you have to make decisions. And so then, you know, even the last several years, I've been asking, OK, well, if that's the case, then at some level, life kind of breaks down to a series of decisions. So how do we make wise decisions? Because if that look at it from that perspective, making wise decisions becomes the heart of what it means to live a good life uh, and to, to make the most of the blessings you've been given. And so one of the things that that is kind of revealed is that, you know, you make better decisions when you have more truth on your side. And I don't mean that partisan side thing. I just mean like the more truth you understand, the more truth that you have available to you, the better your decision is going to be. So in that sense, so what does it take to make confident decisions? It, it takes a, a large dose of truth. And so therefore, what's the best thing you can do to make better decisions and consequently to get your task done better, to live a better life? It's to find a way to get to truth quicker. Um, and so, you know, if you're going to break that all down to the action step, it's how do you find things that are true? I, I refer to them as principles. You know, those things are true no matter what. And how do you get perspective on those things so you can apply them to your life? So an uh, answer to, long answer to a short question what does it take to make confident decisions? I think it takes truth. And the more you understand truth and how it applies to your life, the better decisions you're likely to make and the better everything goes from there. Right on. And I guess Victoria, as kind of the course facilitator and working with students in our Navigate course, especially in the pilot last fall, like, I guess, what do you have uh, any other perspective kind of on that idea or that question? Yeah, I think the only thing I might add to that is, um, I think that's core. That's the foundation of it. Um, building off of that, I think experience helps tremendously in making confident decisions and being confident about the process, at least. Um, I know starting off, you know, fresh out of high school, fresh out of college, every decision seems like a monumental weight. And there's, you know, you haven't ever made a decision that big. And so, of course, it seems like, you know, 
the end of the world if you might do this wrong or you know you might mess something up. Um, but the more that you make those decisions um, and and even make wrong ones, you know, hopefully not you know too many of those, but you might make some wrong decisions and then realize, oh look, I lived, I'm still okay, I can learn from this, I can use this to help others and move on. Um, that experience then helps you to become more and more confident as you go forward in making the next decision and the next one and the next one. So I think that experience factor, at least in my own personal experience, has definitely been kind of pivotal in building confidence. Yeah, what's funny because actually that kind of reminded me of really the way that you learn in jujitsu because in in jujitsu there's so many different positions and there's so many different opportunities from different positions that especially early on um, people tend to go one of two ways either they just get stuck in bad positions all the time which that that, that happens regardless but. The other thing is some people, they get good at one or two things early on, and then they just make sure that they're always in those positions because they have a they have a path that they can take that they know that, you know, it's like, oh, this works for me 40% of the time. This works for me 80% of the time. And so they try to make sure they end up in those positions. And especially when you're talking about at a high level, grapplers definitely have specialties. But when you're talking about like early development, it's really like, it seems that the best idea is to just try to be in as many different positions as possible and try to start to see slowly, you start to see the different opportunities and the ways out of bad spots and things like that. And that just, that's experience. That's all it is. You're like, all right, I'm here. How do I get out? All right, I found a way out. It's like, is this going to work? Did this just work on a blue belt? Is this going to work on a purple? You know, that kind of thing. And so, um, but at the end of the day, it's just experience. I think for me, the, like, the thing that really helped me make decisions with confidence as well apart from experience, I would say it's basically just ownership in the sense that I think it's when you're talking about when I think about the difference between early life and then transitioning into adulthood is early life, life mostly happens to you. And it's very constructed. It's like, all right, you're doing school, you're in high school, now you're going to go to college, like there is a plan. And then suddenly there is no plan. And you have to create that plan. And so there's this kind of, uh, at least in my, like my experience was having this sort of disillusionment with, um, you know, okay, well, if I create this plan, I have no idea if it's any good. It's like, all right, well, but what's my reason for making this decision? And if I knew that, then I knew I could evaluate whether or not what I was doing was working and I could evaluate what my next decision should be. So like really having, for me, it was just super helpful to just have a core awareness of, you know, like, let's say, for example, you're like, all right, I have a, a gym membership. What do like, I didn't just get a gym membership to get one at the end of the year so that I could be in there with everybody else. It's like, I want to accomplish X, Y, Z, or I want to use these particular facilities at the gym. Maybe I'm just there for badminton. And so if I show up three times a week and I play badminton and I never touch a weight, that's success in terms of like my decision to join this gym. Right. And so even just having that in the back of your head is simple things like that um that gave me like a huge boost in confidence because as long as what as long as I was fulfilling the purpose of that decision I knew that it was successful for the reasons that I made that decision so I think ownership is a huge huge part of that as well you uh you may use it your analogy of the different positions in jiu-jitsu I think is a really powerful one and also that kind of observation that life sort of happens to you and then it sort of it, it, it changes, you know, as you kind of become an adult. And, you know, if we kind of keep stretching that analogy, it's almost like you start and you learn a couple of positions and you're really effective at those. And then all of a sudden you realize that the competition that you're you're facing 
they know those positions really well too, and they completely obliterate them. You know, and so you have to switch to a new position. Well, that happens when you kind of run into higher competition. But the the big kind of difference then after you get past that point, right? Because that's pretty obvious. Like you graduate, you become an adult, you have to make those adjustments if you're going to become a functioning adult. The, the, here, here's though the kind of the deeper next level stuff. Most adults adjust to the new positions and they keep using those. And, and so sometimes they work and sometimes they don't, but they go ahead and just use those positions because they're used to them. And if you want to become like the next level, if you want to really become great at decisions, you have to have the ability and the desire to ask the question and say, what if there's a better position? Like, in other words, I'm using this one. I'm winning some, I'm losing some. I'm kind of happy with those results. But what if there was a whole new position to learn and you won tremendously more? Um, and then that would require you to give up the old and comfortable. And when we move it into and you'd have to train and maybe you'd have to learn some new things and you'd have to go through this way. You might even lose some stuff initially until you sort of mastered the new thing. But when you did, you kind of move to the next level. Being able to ask that question is the kind of the difference maker between people that make the decisions they have to make because they have to survive life and the people who make the decisions that they make and then get to another level and all of a sudden are able to have much more impact in life overall. Yeah, absolutely. No, I appreciate it. I think, and that's where the principles are really key too. And those are the types of principles that you guys cover in the Navigate course. But you know, in jujitsu, there's different positions and there's time and experience in positions, but then there's also just basic principles of, you know, this is generally speaking, it's like, it's good to have your hands together, or you want to be framing here or here, or, you know, if you know what the other guy is trying to do, then you also know how to stop it. Even if it's in a position you've never been in before that actually just happened to me last night, guy was trying to take my back from a guard pass. And I basically is like, I just knew that as long as I framed in a particular spot, that he couldn't do that. And so then eventually we ended up back in a position that was better for me. Um, but it wasn't, you know, I hadn't studied that position as much as I just knew the principle of, I know what he's trying to do and I know what I need to do to stop him from doing that. So, um, and I think that's why Navigate is so powerful is because once students know those things and they keep them in mind, it's like, even if you're in a spot that you've never been in before, you have, you have a plan, you have something you can do. Um, and so I think this next question is the shortest question of the lot. Uh, and maybe let's start with Victoria on this one, but it's just straight up. What if you fail? Great. <laughs> Bravo for drawing something that you didn't already have mastered. Cause if you failed at it, it means you didn't have it mastered. It means that you're growing. So great. And, um, and, and I can, can safely say, uh, this is a more recent, um, appreciation for me in all seriousness. I hate failure, like hate, 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 hate to the point of, you know, all growing up, not being willing to try pretty much anything new for fear of, of, uh, failing. But as I've, you know, as I've grown, I've realized that failure is one of the most powerful schoolmasters I will ever have my whole life if I let it. Um, and if I'm willing to humble myself to listen to that. Um, so I know failures definitely taught me, uh, not just practical skills, but also, um, a lot of deeper things about, you know, my identity being in Christ and not in me or in the things I do. Um, and it's every time made me a better person if I let it. So yeah, if you fail, I'm sorry. I know how much we hate it, but great. <laughs> Embrace it. Jonathan. Yeah, I'm trying to decide how much of a soapbox I want to jump on with this whole failure thing. Um, 
because th- th- this is gets a lot of press and a lot of people are talking about failure and it's everything from you know people embracing failure which i, I agree 100 with everything victoria said but sometimes some perspective is helpful here and and so let's let's just acknowledge first of all there are places in life where, where failure is not an option and there are careers and professions and for that matter sports where failure is not an option right you don't get one fail if you fly wingsuits um, or generally uh, you only get one fail if you're piloting, you know, an F-18 at above the speed of sound. And, you know, and, and that's not entirely true either. There's some things there, but there, there's obviously some some activities that people do that have very, very small margins for failure. The, the thing is, those activities are really rare and the people that do them are really exceptional and they tend to get bigger outsized platforms. And so that's where some of this kind of fear of failure comes from. And then here's the other thing that can I can get kind of passionate about. We, we have a system that really terrifies people about failure that doesn't make any sense in reality. So, for example, most people go through some traditional school system where, you know, they're, they're constantly terrified of failing in the sense of getting a bad grade because the perception is that there's an enormous cost to that. That if they get a bad grade, then they get a bad GPA. If they get a bad GPA, they can't get into the right college. If they can't get in the right college, they can't get the right job. If they can't get the right job, they're resigned to whatever they think a terrible job is. And they're... Um, their entire life is kind of ruined. Um, and so if that's your idea, and, and you know that from K through 12, from kindergarten through graduation, and then into college, of course you're terrified of failing. You know, one failed paper, one F on a test is catastrophic to your life. That's the, that's the message that's being sent. The problem is that has absolutely nothing to do with the reality that we all live in. It doesn't even, it doesn't even apply to people who stay in academia. You know, there's not a teacher or professor out there that doesn't fail repeatedly at learning how to teach and doing things. As a matter of fact, a lot of academia is driven by people who write papers and get them published in big journals that sometimes are wrong. And they have to get them out there for peer review so people can look at them and say, oh, you failed in this, this and this. And then they get better. That's how like knowledge moves forward and certainly in a scientific way, but really in academia in total. So it's kind of crazy that our entire system is based on this idea that failure is so consequential when then when you graduate from college, the real world just does not work like that, except for in these really narrow, tiny places. Um, and so, the, but what I've learned is that it takes for a long time and you have to really think about that until you lose that perception. So people are, you know, in their 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, sometimes an entire career, still under this impression that if they fail, it has the same consequence that it did if they failed in high school and got a bad GPA and then the, all stuff came to that. The reality is if you feel in high school, it probably wasn't that big of a deal. Um, but it's definitely not the way the real world works. The real world works on people who are willing to fail because that means that they're pushing the boundaries. That means they're learning. That means they're trying new positions to go back to our analogy. And if you're not willing to do that, you're not willing to move forward. The difference is you could hide easier a generation ago, right? But, but today, technology and change means that things happen so quickly and things change so fast that nobody really knows exactly how things are going. So the, the, the world belongs to the people that are willing to fail, fail fast and learn the new ways of doing things. And the new ways keep coming because technology drives change so fast. So again, I'm mastering here long answers to short questions. Um, but but there's a this is a really important part. It's, it's not enough to say, oh, failure is fine. Well, yes, maybe, no. I mean, it depends on what you're talking about. Uh, and, and that's the right track. But sometimes it helps if you get the the, the entire perspective on why you have this fear of failure because you have an entire system that says that you should feel it and fear it and then the new sort of reality of like hey no this is actually the way you move forward and so everything victoria said is really essential to understand but it's sometimes hard to figure out
Yeah. No, that's great perspective. And I think something that is worth thinking about as well when you're thinking about failure, because I, it's a great point that you brought up, which is that sometimes the feel of fear of failure is 100% legitimate. Sometimes it means you will die. So right. you should probably take that seriously and listen right. to that. But there's um, <laughs> there's uh, two books actually that came to mind. One is uh, The Talent Code by Daniel Coyle, and the other is Anti-Fragile um, by Nicholas, uh, I believe it's Nassim Taleb. And both of those books talk about that essentially the key to learning rapidly is to create environments where it's safe to fail. So it's like, all right, so you're, you're going to base jump with a wingsuit. You probably shouldn't just slap on a wingsuit and go for it. You should probably create a space where you can train for that and where you can mess up a hundred times, a thousand times, 10,000 times, so that you, the level of confidence and ability you have when you're actually making a life threatening decision is extremely high. So Anyway, that was just something that came to mind as well, which is, you know, in the sense that uh, I remember one time I heard Peter Thiel say, because somebody asked him about sort of this sort of uh, modern glorification of failure, where it's like, oh, yeah, embrace the failure. It's true. But he also was like, I think failure is overrated. And I just thought that was <laughs> a pretty funny way to put it. Um, but in some respects, it it really is. And and Yeah. Well, I was just going to say, you you brought up a really essential point that maybe I should, now that you said I should modify a little bit of my statement there. You said to create an atmosphere of failure is acceptable or a failure is safe. And um, that's a really important point. Like I said, that there's some professions, some places where failure is not an option. But uh, there's a deeper truth there that I should have noted, which is that when you get to those places, you only got there through a lot of failure because they were systems that allowed failure to be an option. So, you know, we think about failure being an option in places where lives are on the line. And so, you know, things like, you know, flying high performance jet aircraft or maybe combat assignments or something like that. Uh, but, you know, if you look at those situations, you know, if you're in the special forces and you're going to be in combat a lot where failure is not an option, you absolutely went through thousands and thousands of hours and repetitions where failure was an option, where an instructor stopped the scenario and said, do it differently. If you're flying high performance jet aircraft, you went through thousands and thousands of simulator hours where people threw everything possible at you and you failed and failed and failed and failed until you got it. And that's a really important point that even those professions, failure may not be an option at the, the pointy end of the spear, but failure was an option the whole long way to get there in order to get to the point where you could do it correctly. That I didn't note that. And Ben, you brought that up. And that's a really, really essential piece to look at. Absolutely. And so I think the other thing, the other elephant in the room, so it's like, let's say, and I've definitely been here as well. So let's say you're making decisions, you're creating a plan, you're taking ownership for your decisions, um, you're embracing failure as a process of learning. Um, I think the thing that inevitably comes with all of that for many people, including me, is anxiety. Um, and so I'm just kind of curious to hear from you. And, and maybe once again, we'll just start with Victoria, if you have perspective on this, but it's I think it's something I've been thinking about more lately, which is really just, do we need to accept anxiety as a part of the process? Or is there actually a way for us to overcome that as well so that we could be learning with maybe not without anxiety, but without crippling anxiety would be uh, ideal at least? Yeah, that's a good question, Ben. Um, I think part of this is a, is a function of personality. There are some you know, people who just naturally will tend to be that way more than others. Um, but I guess what comes to mind is, you know, that quote that you can't have courage without fear. And I'm obviously paraphrasing here. Um, the emotion of fear is almost what, you know, validates our courage, so to speak, you know, in, in a loose sense. And so kind of in the same way, 
I don't know that anxiety is always possible to get rid of entirely, at least the emotion of anxiety. Um, but I do think it can absolutely be controlled. You talked about, you know, mitigating anxiety and just having it not be a controlling or a crippling factor. And I do think that's absolutely the case. Um, and I think a lot of that does come through, um, come through experience and working through that process repeatedly. Um, a lot of it, I think, can also come from working with mentors and getting counsel um, and seeing those same decisions play out in the lives of others, seeing the consequences they're in. Um, and then, you know, one one other thought kind of on this, um, and it kind of plays off of the experience factor too, is, you know, to a certain extent, you can get rid of anxiety by desensitizing yourself to it. And that's not a fun process. But the more that you're kind of in that and the more that you're experiencing things that do make you anxious and decisions that make you anxious and working through that positively, um, that can also really help to kind of pull it down. So those are maybe, you know, some kind of more practical sides on that. But in, in some, I don't know if you can completely get rid of anxiety. I think you can absolutely 100% get to where it doesn't control you and, and shouldn't control you as well. Jonathan, you have anything to add to that? Oh, sorry, I didn't come through. So, um, no problem. Yeah, I, first of all, I don't want this to sound the wrong way. I, I'm anxious too, and, and I have anxiety, and I, and I don't know that we get free of it totally. Um, so, you know, what I'm going to say next, if you're like, "Oh, that'd be nice if I get to that situation," well, I haven't gotten that situation either. So, so don't don't take this as kind of some sort of perfection, you know, master telling you something. Um, but I found that a lot of anxiety is like a lot of fear. If you drag that sucker out of the darkness and you stick it in the light and take a look at it, it shrivels up and often dies. Um, and and now, hear me clearly. I you know often fail to drag it out of the darkness and look at it in the light. But a lot of our fears and anxieties, when we kind of look at them and get some perspective on them, they're much smaller than we think. And you know, and it also depends on when they're bigger than we think. Sometimes it takes a change in our perspective you know, push to death, right? Is, is this thing that you're fear, afraid of, is it going to kill you? And if it does, well, then push past death, right? We're people of faith. Is death really the worst thing that's going to happen to us? And now I'm not saying that that's an easy thing to do. I'm not saying like, oh, I just do that all the time and I'm never scared of anything. That, that's not even close to the truth. But I do know that that's the basis of how to sort of figure this out, right? That That's the kind of place to start. And so, you know, especially when I find young people who are terrified to make the wrong decision about a college or a college major or a career or something like that, here's the thing. And there are people that, that have this problem. And, and if you have it, right, that's, that's a different set of circumstances, situations. But for most people, it, if you're really going to be unsuccessful, you have to work at it. <laughs> you know what I mean, you have, to, you have to deliberately want to sabotage your life. And you can get to that point, right? But let's say, like, so, so you pick the wrong school or you pick the wrong major, you pick the wrong job. You, you know, if you're going to then take that and spiral into whatever you consider to be awful, whether that's living at home or living in a cardboard box on a bridge or something like that, you have to really work to get there. The reality is that circumstances are going to force themselves upon you and you're going to make some more decisions and you're going to look for a different job and you're going to get some different education, get some different training, and you're going to do fine. And sometimes I think people forget that. The pressure of the moment just seems so overwhelming. It's like, I've got to make this thing right. Well, Sure, if you make it right, it might help you. But if not, uh, you'll be able to have a chance to make it right again. And in the process, you'll do better because you've had that experience. Plus, now you have all that extra knowledge and perspective that you got from doing the wrong thing. And who knows when that might come in. Um, and so that that's dragging that out and kind of looking at it almost always solves a lot. And again, saying that carefully, don't, don't for a second think that by me saying that, that means I'm excellent at it. Um, I'm absolutely sometimes quite lousy at it, but I'm getting better and, I, and just knowing what to do can make a difference sometimes. Absolutely. And and one of the things that's honestly been most helpful for me 
it has been just the uh, honestly, just like reading biographies and hearing about people's life stories on podcasts and things like that. And you, especially when you're looking at like high performers, people who are achieving things, you know, on a major scale and uh, you're listening to their story and you're like, wow, well, A, like, let's say that their original plan worked, that they like set out to do this thing and they did it. There's either going to be a zillion twists and turns and what seem like fatal mistakes along the way. Or B, they're not doing at all what they set out to do. And so you're kind of like looking at that as like, oh, well, this person's really cool. They've accomplished so many things. But if, you, if you're comparing that to, you know, what, whatever their 20-year-old self wanted to do, and there's like such a huge disparity that you realize that life really is an adventure. And you, it, it, it's really helped me at least kind of, you know, embrace that attitude of, of well, I'm, I am trying to do this thing. It's not like I'm not trying to do it, but I'm also like fully aware. And I try to acknowledge that it may not be where I end up. Um, Sometimes it's helpful to look at like little kids, right? Like we all smile and laugh when little kids say, so what do you want to be when you grow up? I'll be a firefighter. I want to be a policeman. I want to be a astronaut. I want to be a football player. I want to be whatever. Right. And so we kind of laugh at that and we say, oh, yeah, yeah, they'll grow out of it. Some of them, some of them do become those things, right? But lots of them don't. And we don't consider that to be some sort of huge failure that the little kid at six who wanted to be an astronaut winds up being an accountant and a really successful one at that, right? I mean, in other words, that, that doesn't seem strange to us. But when the same kid at 18 who has very little additional knowledge based on their six-year-old stuff says the same thing and then thinks, oh, no, if I don't look at this right, it's going to be terrible, you, you know, I, we can take the same thing and say, no, actually, you probably don't have you have a slightly better idea at 18 that you did at six of what you want. But you still have a really narrow view of what's actually possible. Um, and the fact is, you can still go lots and lots of different directions and still have a really fantastic, really exciting, really fulfilling life. And so don't be too scared if, you know, just like when you thought at six, you're going to be an astronaut and that didn't work out, that what you thought of what you wanted to be at 18 doesn't work out. And frankly, what you thought of that you wanted to be at 25 or 30 doesn't work out. Uh, that doesn't actually have any bearing on whether you're going to live a happy, fantastic, successful, awesome life. Absolutely. And so just to uh, to wrap us up here, um, I know, Jonathan, this is something that you touch on in the course, and I just think it's such an important concept that I would just love for you to touch on it when we wrap up, which is um, essentially you talk about the the phases of life in uh, in the Navigate course. And I think, I guess, in your perspective, does should our style of decision making or in other words what were the kinds of decisions we're making and the reasons that we're making them for should that evolve as we go through the different stages of life as well i think certainly they'll evolve just like victoria talked about because experience is such a big factor here but um i think that it's helpful to realize that as you're younger then you can make bigger sort of more risky decisions and you can make decisions based primarily on gaining experience. And then as you gain experience and you gain an understanding of what the world needs and what you can do, then you narrow your decisions. And I don't mean that you don't make big decisions anymore, but you make big decisions with a lot more experience and a lot more knowledge. And so you make big decisions in a narrower field, right? So, you know, when you're 18, make decisions that get you as wide a set of experiences as possible. And as you get better at something, you know, the world rewards people who are really good at things. And so as your decision-making tightens, then that just means that you're driving even more expertise and skills and the things that you know you're good at. And that's a good thing too, because that opens up really exciting new horizons. So in that sense, I think your decision-making does evolve. The experience that you have changes it tremendously. You understand more truth and you have more perspective on that, but also your understanding of what the world needs and what you are really good and gifted at and how you can meet those needs. 
uh, becomes more apparent and so it becomes more focused. And so I think maybe that's the way to say it. Your decision making becomes more focused as you go along. And that's a good thing. Awesome. Well, I definitely appreciate you joining us, Jonathan and Victoria as well. This has been um, a really fun conversation. So, you know, I mean, that's anxiety, it's failure, and it's mastering confident decision making. I hope that you guys got something out of this. Um, if you did, if you have any other questions or ideas for topics, you can always email podcast at bnbound.us. Um, that goes directly to me. So, and I'd love to hear from you if you're a listener of, to this show. And if you'd like to dive deeper to the concepts that we just talked about today, you can go to beunbound.us slash navigate. You can learn more about the Navigate course, and you can also sign up for a free four-part video series. Um, and for Unbound students, who I know a lot of you guys are listening to this podcast, there's also a special 50% discount on the course. So you can actually get the entire course for $199, um, which I think is a pretty sweet deal because we like you guys. So visit beunbound.us slash navigate. You can learn more about that. And we will catch you guys next week. Thank you.